0: Let me just share some things with you guys. Um, You know, when Kim and I got married, we did not have smartphones. There was no Siri, right? Uh, There were very, very few people even had a GPS. Like that was a new thing that was kind of coming on the scene. So if you were going to go somewhere, you either had to get directions or you literally had to pull out a map you know, and find out uh, where this thing is, how far it was. I literally remember pulling out a map and getting a ruler out to find out distances and, you know, and all those kinds of things. And you guys are looking at me like, dude, you're old. I, I get it. I know. Uh, the, the, no doubt about that. But some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and um, so Kim and I, when we got married, we we would always have somewhat of the same conversation when we were going somewhere. Somehow, uh, she would be the navigator, Right. And so I would say to her, as I got in the driver's seat, do you know where we're going? Right? Do you you know where we're going? And she would say, yeah, I know exactly where we're going. I'd say, cool. So I'd start driving, right? Um, And then um, as we were driving, eventually we would come to a T in the road, and we would have to turn left, or we would have to turn right. And I would say to her, okay, um, do we turn left, or do we turn right? And she would say, um... I think um, I think we turn left here. And I'd be like, no, wait a minute. Do we turn left or do we turn right? Well, I think, you know, I th- just turn left. I think it's going to be all right. I thought you knew where we were going. I, I know exactly where we're going. I, do we turn, just turn left. And so I would turn left. Sometimes it was right, about 50% of the times. And sometimes it was wrong and we would need to go back and go to the other side. But, you, you know, and all that, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that Sometimes in Christianity, we find ourselves in this same plight where we don't really know, we know the general direction that we're going, right? We, we know what we're trying to do, but we really have not mapped out how to get there. Now, I think about my dad. I really don't like indecisiveness, and I really don't like not knowing what's going on. Uh, I'm a planner. Um, I, I try to have everything planned out, even in your, your own spiritual growth. Um, I spend a lot of time thinking about what classes are we going to have and what, what personal discipleship looks like. I've, I've rewritten the discipleship material several times now because I just keep, keep tweaking it so that the path is clear and that everybody knows where they're going and everybody knows where they're headed, right? Um, because here's what happens. If you get into the situation or you start driving and you don't know where you're going, indecisiveness will kill you. And I think the same thing happens in our Christian life is that we we get on this journey. We're excited about the journey. We're excited about where we're going. We start down the road and then we realize, I don't really know how to get there. And in the middle of that, you're in the middle of the street You've got cars flying by you, they're honking because you're going, you know, like a turtle because you don't know whether you're supposed to turn, whether you're not supposed to turn. you got a 50-50 shot of being right. And guys, listen, that's the way we're living our Christian life is that we're just kind of hoping that we're making the right decisions. And we've got to get to the place that we map it out a little bit better than that. Let me tell you the way Jesus said it. Jesus said, count the cost, Right? So many people get into Christianity, they get into the things of Christianity, but yet they didn't sit down first, as Jesus said, to really count the cost of what that means and how that's functioning. And we're just hoping that we're, you know, we got a 50-50 shot and hoping it's going to be all right. And this is what I want to say to you guys this morning. Let's do better than that. Let's do better than that in our Christian life. Let's not just come to the place where we we find ourselves in the middle of the road with a big old semi coming and we can't decide whether we're supposed to turn right or whether we're supposed to turn left. Let me give you a prime example of that. Even when it comes to the things of life that, that you're dealing with, whether it be sins or whether it be things that you should do or shouldn't do. Listen, when you're following after the ways of the Lord and you have a clearly mapped out course and plan... You don't have to decide those things. They're decided for you. Amen. But so many people, we don't know the ways of God. We don't know the, the, the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we find ourselves indecisive, just getting ready to be plowed over by the semi. Instead of really coming into this understanding of what God would have us to do. Um, there was a pastor one time that, that said this to me. He said, you can't know where you're going until you know where you're at, right? You ever been to the mall? You, you go to the mall and you find the directory, right? Okay, that directory doesn't make any difference at all unless they have that little dot on there that says what? You are here. If they don't have that little dot, you can look at that directory all day long. You have no idea where you're at. You might be able to navigate by looking at the different stores. That's going to take you forever. What you really need is that little dot that just says, for me to know where I need to go, do I need to go upstairs? Do I need to go downstairs? What do I need to do? Instead of just wandering around, if you have that little dot that says you are here, then you can map out the course, right? And you can find your way. Well, listen, the same thing applies. Not only did he say that to me, he also said this. He says, and you can't know where you are until you know where you have been. That's interesting, isn't it? Because I think in the Christian life, sometimes what we want to do is, is we're so, so ready to forget the past We're so ready to forget the things that God has done in our life or even the things we've done in our life. We want to just put all that in the past. We don't want to remember that. We want to be a brand new person. You know, old things are passed away. Old things have become... Listen, I'm going to challenge you something. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you came from because listen, it's a whole lot easier for you to put your little dot on the map that says, I am here if you know where you came from. But so often we don't know where we're going, we can't map it out because we don't even know where we've been to know where we are. Where are you at in your Christian walk? Well, I don't know. Well, let me, let me ask you a question. How, do you, how have you mapped out a plan to go forward in your Christian walk if you have no idea where you're at? You see, here's what I would encourage you to do get under the plan that we've decided to to, to put forth for you because we've walked this journey several times. Listen, wouldn't you hate it if you took your kid to kindergarten and they said, you know, we're going to try some stuff. We're going to try some stuff. We don't really know where your kid needs to go and we don't really know how to map out that plan. So we're going to try some stuff. No, what you're wanting is you're wanting the curriculum book, right? Like, What are you going to take them through? And listen, if you get into a good school, you know what they're going to tell you? Here's the first thing we're going to teach them. Those are going to be building blocks, and those building blocks are going to lead us to point A. When we get to point A, it's going to help us. Those are going to be building blocks to get us to point B. Before you know it, they'll be in the second grade, they'll be in the fifth grade, they'll be in high school, they'll be out, and they will be able to read, they'll be able to write, they'll be able to do arithmetic, it'll be great. That's on purpose, right? that's on purpose. But somehow in our Christian life, we think, well, we don't need to map any of that out. We'll just go with the flow. Listen, when you just go with the flow, you're probably going to be going in the flow of the world, okay? To really map it out and to really make those decisions, if you're wanting to know where you're going, you got to know where you are. But if you want to know where you are, you got to know where you've been. So what we're going to talk about today in Ephesians chapter 2, and I want you to go ahead and and pull out your Bibles. We're talking about unleashing the church, and we're going through Ephesians to to do that, to find out what does it mean for our church, our body, you, to be uh, connecting those dots, and to be coming back and saying, how am I going to be unleashed on this community, on, on this country, on this world? And for us to do that, we have to have a plan. And Ephesians chapter 2 is going to talk specifically about that plan. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10 today. And here's the first thing that you've got to understand is that there is a path to be chosen. If you're going to walk this thing with the Lord, there's a path that must be chosen. So I want you to look with me in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. It says this, And you were dead in trespasses and sins. And immediately we see the past of where we were, what it looked like for us. And, and I don't know how many of you guys, how many of you guys were saved after you were 18? You came to Christ after you were 18. Can I see your hand? Okay, how many of you were saved before you were 18? Let me see your hand. Okay, so we've got more that were saved before than after. But listen, if you were saved after 18, you remember what it was like for sure to be lost. Uh, Some of you guys are trying hard to put that stuff out of your mind. You know, you understand what it's like to be lost, right? Um, Well, listen, everybody was that way. It says, you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked. There's a past tense there. You walked in in, in your sins. You walked in your trespasses. You walked in death. Now that doesn't sound good, but listen, for you to know where you are in Christ and for you to, to know what God has done in your life, you better remember where you came from. Amen. Notice what he says. He goes on in verse number two. He says, in which you once walked, following the course of this world. He says, following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now uh, that is now at work in the sons of, of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Well, that's just not pretty, is it? If you're coming here this morning, you're like, Pastor, man, I, I really wanted that pick-me-up today. I really wanted to be, you, you, you know, listen, we, we're going to get there. We're going to get there for the pick-me-up, but first got to remember where we were. we got to remember where we came from, because listen, that'll make you praise God. I'll tell you right now, it'll make you sing. When, when you understand where God has, has taken your feet, feet from, the, from the muck and the mire, and he set your feet on the solid rock, it'll make you sing, man. But sometimes, we've been saved at such a young age. You know, I was saved when I was seven. And, 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 and if we're not careful, we become those spiritual brats where we don't really even understand what the muck and the mire looks like. But I know this. Jesus set my feet on the rock. It makes me sing. It makes me excited, because I know where I used to be, and I know where I was headed, and I know the path that I was on. I know the course of this world, and how it flows, and the way that it takes a man. Anybody else know that? Listen, if you're just going with the flow, let me tell you where you're going to end up. You're going to end up with a whole lot of sadness. You're going to be hooked on something, if not many things. You're going to have vices in your life that try to help you to get through because you don't know how to get through instead of finding Jesus. There's two courses of action. There's two paths, and you've got to choose what path that you want to be on. As we talk about these paths, listen, that first path is a path of destruction. It's a passive path, listen to me, of disobedience. And sometimes we look at this and, and we hear about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we hear about salvation. And we hear about the blessings of God saving us from our sin. But listen, Scott's going to tell us here in just a second. He's going he's to quote from Romans chapter 6. I'll quote verse number 1 that says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. By no means should that be, right? But some of us, because we really don't know the muck and the mire that we came from, we think that we're supposed to still live in that. And you're still walking, even though you have claimed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're still walking in the muck and the mire. You're still walking as children of disobedience. You say, what do you mean disobedience? I mean you're doing things wrong, It's not complicated, is it? You're doing things that are offensive to the God who saved you. Can I say it this way? You're licking a gift horse in the mouth. You ever use that phrase? You you find yourself where you know that the very things that you're doing are the very things that God saved you from. Listen, why are we still walking that path? Let me share a little bit more about this path of destruction and, and, and what it means. It's the course of the world, it's the natural course of mankind, but it's, but it's also this. Look what it says there as we continue to read verse number two. It says, in which you once walked following the course of this world. I think we can all agree on that. Everybody, everybody's okay with that Till we get to the very next phrase when it says, here, here's another way to describe it, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now is at work in the sons of disobedience. Anybody know who that is? Satan, the devil, ooh, right, right? See, we, we, we're okay to admit that we're walking in the course of the world, right? We're okay that we're like everybody else and that we're struggling to make the right decisions and walk in obedience and all those kinds, that's fine. But then when we come back and we say, wait a minute, that's the course of Satan himself and we are walking that same course. That, that doesn't sit as well, does it? But let me tell you something. If you were to go and and you say, well, wait a minute, I'm not a Satan worshiper. I I don't do those kind of things. Do you realize that whenever Satan came to Eve in the garden, he did not say to her, worship me. That's not what he said to her. He said this. He said, you can be your own God. You can walk your own path. You can do your own thing. You don't need a God over you. You don't need somebody telling you what to do. You can be your own God. But listen, here's what we know. We know that the way of man... Leads to death, don't we? Proverbs chapter 14, the Bible says this in verse number 12. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way of death. There's a way that we think that things should go. But let me tell you something. That was all started by the prince and the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the children of disobedience. Starting with Adam and Eve and ending with me and you. And we have to choose not to walk that course. If you were to walk into a satanic church, they're not going to be worshiping Satan. If, if you read the principles that are found in the book of the satanic Bible, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find this. Do whatever you want. Just do whatever you want. That's the natural course of the world. Just do whatever you want. You want something? Take it. They're doing construction outside. The building's not falling down. <laughs> do, it, do whatever you want. Just take it. Just walk whatever course that, that, that you need to walk, right? But we got to come back and we say, wait a minute. No, I've already tried that course. I, I don't know if you guys, again, this is going to be, anybody know the Matrix? Do you remember that time when in the Matrix whenever, whenever um, Neo first gets in the car, right? Um, and he says, man, I'm out. This is ridiculous. I'm, I'm not going to trust you guys. I don't know you. And so they open up, they they stop the car, they open up the car door and he sees down the road. And she says to him, Neo, you've already been down that road. You've already walked that path. You see, the word Neo means what? It means new. See, we can't be new and walk the old path. Can't be new and walk the old path. He says that's what we used to do. That's a past tense. We used to walk in the ways of the world. We used to walk in the course of this world and in the course of Satan and of the devil. But now, you see, when you get to verse number four, what does it say? Let's go a little bit farther because you got to talk about this path of righteousness. When it says this and in, uh, in, in verse number four, it says, oh, you know what? I don't have this in my, in my notes. Somebody read it for me. Listen, let me tell you, thanks for going through verse number six, right? That's okay. That's all right. Uh, Because we're going to get there too. Listen, but God. But God. You see, here's what happens. You're walking the course of your world and and the natural course of man. And Satan's just sitting back and he's laughing because it's the exact same course that he walked. And listen, have you you ever seen a, 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 a path that's been walked a lot? Is that path, the more that people walk on it, the bigger the path gets right? Because the more, more people have traveled it, you know, if, if you go over here to uh, some of the battlefields and different things, you're going to see where even the, the horses and carts and buggies started to go on those paths and, and, and they just got wider and bigger and thicker and deeper because there's so many people that are just walking that path over and over again, right? But listen, let me tell you what happens in a person's life. It happened last weekend here at church where you're walking along in your path and all of a sudden God just steps in your way. He just steps right in your path. Now, the thing is, is that when God steps in your path, here you are, you're coming, you're going along with the natural course of the world, and all of a sudden, this big, burly guy just steps in your way and he says, Hey, I'm God. I love you. And you're on the wrong path. And you know what you have to do at that moment? You have to choose. You see, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the light that lighteth every man that comes into the world. What does that mean? That means that at some point in your life and in everybody else's life, God just steps in your way. Here I am. You're on the wrong path. I'd like to help you, I'd like to fix that for you. And you've got to let God either help you or what do you do? You go around. The saddest thing to me is when the God of the universe loves you so much that he's willing to step in your way, to get your attention, to have you come to the place that you realize that the path that you're on is the wrong path, and he steps in your way and lets you know that. And then to see somebody do one of these numbers. And God says, I still, I still love you. Now, he- here's the thing. God doesn't necessarily have to step in your way again. That, that might be it. You might get one shot at the deal. Now, we would hope that there would be another day that God says, oh, in case you missed me the first time, here I am again. I'm telling you. The path that you're on, it leads straight to destruction. There is another way. There is another path. His name is Jesus, and he loves you, and he wants to change your path. Listen, I'm going to have Scott come up now. Scott's going to just give you a living example of what it means to switch paths. You guys welcome him as he comes.
1: Good morning, guys. My name is Scott Cooper. I am. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I am, where I am now. I am uh, the missions director. I am a elder and deacon at Fellowship Baptist Church in Borger. Um, I am founding board member of a uh, recovery home for men uh, for drugs and alcohol. Uh, I'm on other boards. I could go on and on of what I am, but I wasn't always that. Um, in 2000. And Seven, I was hopelessly uh, addicted to cocaine and uh, meth. And uh, I was a junkie. Some of you know what that is. Some of you don't. But I shot up uh, drugs in my veins. And uh, I had been doing that for five years. I'm going to give you guys the condensed version of this. I've told my story all over the world. Um, Just a praise to God that that's even a possibility that I could even do that. Uh, but on a Monday morning in April 2007, I went to do what I always did, and that was do my, do my dope, do my drugs, and they didn't work. They didn't do what I needed them to do. And uh, I thought, well, just, um, I'll just try again tomorrow, you know, or I'll try again later. I did, and I tried again, again the next morning, um, Tuesday morning, and it didn't work again. And I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, but I was scared and, uh, uh, I had a lot of things going on in my life. I could, I could list it off for you. Div- there was divorce looming. My kids didn't want anything to do with me. I mean, that just the list was long. And, um, I, uh, in a moment of weakness in my flesh's weakness, I picked up the phone and called a guy and told him I needed help. And he came to me and, uh, um, you know, I just, he had been trying to preach the gospel to me. He'd been trying to tell me about Jesus. Uh I grew up Catholic. So I was a, you know, I was like an argumentative debater, you know, I would just debate him on all the, uh, the finer points of Catholicism and things like that. And, uh, you know, I just my flesh said, I got to get rid of this guy. So I told him, I said, can we just go eat lunch? And, uh, he said, yeah, as long as we don't change this conversation, uh, we can do whatever you want. So, uh, you know, I got up, I was on my, I was on my couch. I got up, I put one boot on and, uh, you know, I just, uh, there was just this, this warm peace that came over me that I, i still, after all these years, after nine years, I can't hardly explain it. Um, I just, I just felt a, a peace and a warmth that I hadn't, that I hadn't ever felt, maybe had never felt, but definitely hadn't felt in many years. And that morning, ten thirty a.m., uh, April 24th, 2007, I knelt down in my living room right there on the spot. And I said, you know, God, I know you're, I know you exist. I know you created me and I know you didn't create me for this life. Make me into the man that you want me to be. And, uh, Guys, I got up from that from that prayer. That was a Tuesday, Wednesday night. I went to my first uh, first Baptist church service, and I met Bill, and uh, he confirmed my salvation. He said, "Sounds to me like you got saved in your living room." Um, five days later, I was baptized and became a member of Fellowship Baptist Church, and I here I am. Uh, it's been a it's been it's been just it was that sharp of a change for me um i have never uh went back uh to drugs and alcohol um uh, i can't even begin to tell you that i've been sinless uh that's that's that i won't even start i won't even tell you that cuz that's just not true um but there is a process of of sanctification um and these things, you know the god works things out of our lives um i was just i was dead in my sins and then i was quickened i was i was renewed i was i was something new um you know, it's said of Caesar Augustus um, that he found Rome a uh, city of bricks, but he left it a city of marble. You know, I'm here. Uh, the reason I'm here is for, is because of Brian, uh, Bill's dad. Uh, when my dad died in 2010, Brian kind of became my uh, my my. I don't know what the word would be, but he kind of took over from in the place of my dad. Uh, we, we, God just, just put a relationship, just put a, he just knitted our hearts together where Brian and I just became immediate friends. Um, he has accepted me into his family and, uh, I was talking to Brian, uh, Thursday morning alone at the, at hospice or at the hospital actually. And, uh, he said, you know, one of the things that he said, he just said, you know, I don't know, uh, if I've made that much of a difference in the world as he's thinking about going on to the next world. And I just told Brian, I said, you know, can I share something with you? And I told Brian, I said, you know, I told him the the thing about Caesar Augustus. I said, I believe that you've left the place better than you found it, Brian. And, you know, the reason why I'm sitting here right now today talking to you is because of Bill. Because you made a difference in Bill's life and, your, and all of his boys' life. He's made a difference in their lives, you know. Um, he he has changed the face of this earth because of his testimony. Bill came to Borger, Texas, and he found it a city of brick, and he left it a city of marble. He did, because the town is not the same. Honestly, the entire world is not the same. We have been on missions trips all over the world. Like I said, we have Drug and Alcohol Recovery Center for men. There's 12 men there right now uh, in in recovery. Um, we w- our testimony is changing the earth. It, it just is. And uh, I want you guys to, uh, well, look at Romans 6. Romans 6.12. Um, you know, we need, to, we need to think about what it is we're going to do with this Christian life. We need to be obedient to what, to what we're called to do. And uh, I don't, somebody, somebody read that for me. I didn't write it down anybody anybody wants to read it therefore, therefore do not let sin reign in your body that you, should, that you should obey in its lust right so we're we, we're to present ourselves um, we're present to present ourselves as members of righteousness uh, the bible tells us this and not to sin i have some questions for you guys today i want you to think about Uh, this week. I want you to think about these things. Uh, How will you leave the Rome that you've been given? Because you have been given a Rome. Whether it be your family, your sphere of influence at work, this church, you have a Rome. How are you going to leave it? Will you leave it better? Or will sin and destruction be your legacy? How will you live it out this week? Will you, give that, will you give away the gift that you've been given that we see in Ephesians 2? Will you, give that, will you give that gift back to someone else? Or do you only have sin and disobedience to give out? Make a difference in this place. Like Bill did with me and Borger. You know, guys, I was dead. My sins and disobedience. And through Bill, God made a difference. Borker's not the same place as I said. He made a living person of a dead man with no hope. You know, in Ezekiel, we see a story like the bones that we see in Ezekiel 37. My life was reanimated. And I'm here now as an example of the power of the living God.
2: The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them he said to me, prophesy to the breath and say to it, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, breath and turn, they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army.
0: You know, I think that when we understand that that was every one of us, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and i don 't think a lot of times that we really put that together of what that means, but listen, no matter how dry your bones are, no matter how much that you you are, were without God or away from God, all that needs to happen is that when God steps in your way and when God says I want to have life in you. Just like, just like um, uh, Scott said when he said, man, you know what? Here I was, a dead man, but then God did something amazing. God took me and, and did something new. He made me alive. That's what the scripture is saying. And I want you guys to notice here in verse number five when it says that very thing. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses... If you really believe that you were dead, if you really understand that you were dead, you will no longer want to live in those trespasses. But he says, when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. What an amazing thing that God has done in your life when he's made you alive. It says, and he's raised you up to, with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and in, in, uh, uh, in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the results of works, so that no man or that no one may boast, and what that, what that is telling us is that in the midst of your course and in the midst of your travels, God stepped in your way, did something that you could never do. He forgave you. He cleansed you. He brought you back from the dead. He saved you by His grace. He set you at, the, at, at his own feet and put you on a path of righteousness. And then not only that, he set you upon the throne. Do you know the Bible tells us in verse number six it that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? That's not talking about a future event in Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the throne, the throne, you are there. You are with him today. You are seated with Christ right now at the right hand of God. Listen, when you pray, let me, let me just illustrate this for you. When you pray on the right hand of God, this is what happens. You just look to the left. Father because you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in the throne room. You're not trying to break through the door. You're not trying to get into the temple. You're not trying to be good enough to make your way in or praise enough to get in. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just look to the left and say, Abba Father, I need you. And as Josh read to us earlier, what would your father withhold from you? Would he, does he not know how to give good gifts to his children? We got to change our course. We got to choose the right path. We were walking according to trespasses and death. Now it's time to start walking toward the path of righteousness. You know, Jesus said something very simple. He said, If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Do you know what he says in another place? He says, My, my commandments are not grievous. Right? Don't lie, don't steal, don't kill each other. I mean, like it's not rocket science. You know what I'm saying? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second commandment is like unto it: love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, hold all the law and the prophets. This is it. It's not hard. You just have to change your path and start following the Lord instead of following yourself. As I was thinking about this path of righteousness and You know, we go on down to verse number 10 of Ephesians 2. It says this, it says, For for we are his workmanship... You see, God begins to do a new work in you. And listen, I'll be honest with you. I want you to listen to me very closely. If somehow God stepped in your way and you met the glorious Jesus Christ, as I have met him, as Scott has met him, as others in here have met, if you met Jesus and somehow you were able to walk around God and continue on that path of death, destruction, and trespass, I want you to consider that maybe you didn't change paths. And I want you to understand that when you truly come to God, you're going to be different. You're going to live different. That's not me saying that. Jesus says that. In verse number 10, when Paul says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, we're no longer walking in the ways of destruction. We're now walking in the good works of God. Jesus said it this way, you shall know them by their fruits. When people look at your life, can they see that you changed paths? Can they see that you're now walking in the ways of the Lord and the things of the Lord? The path of righteousness leads to good works and good works leads people to God. Listen, this is what Jesus said in Matthew five sixteen. He said this, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. You see, when you start walking the path of righteousness and you start making those decisions of life, they become very easy. Listen, here are some questions and I wonder if you've ever had somebody ask these questions. Well, what's wrong with that? Anybody ever ask that? You know, maybe it's, maybe it's smoking or maybe it's drinking or maybe it's, you know, one of the hundred other devices uh, that people have. And listen, I'm not trying to get legalistic on you. I'm just telling you that's the wrong question. The question is not what's wrong with that. The question is what's right with that. You see, because when you're walking a path of righteousness, these things become very evident in your life, and you start making different decisions, and you start asking different questions. You start asking questions like this, how is what I'm doing leading other people to the right path? Am I leading people astray, or am I leading people to Christ? Now listen, I don't even know whether I would like to smoke. Maybe I would. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I would like to drink. I don't, I don't know. You know why? Because I've never been able to, in my mind, figure out how that leads people to Christ. So the question was very simple for me. I'm just not going to do that. I'm walking a path of righteousness. I want people to walk the path with me. I'm going to show them, lead them the way unto Christ. Now, maybe you're a smoker. Listen, my dad smoked for years, right? He still love Jesus. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that if you have a vice in your life that you're not saved. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you might want to check it. You might want to check and see is that helping or hurting the kingdom? Because listen, the path that you're on is no longer your own. It's the path of the Lord. And can people follow that path? Can you say to people the way that Jesus did, follow me? Can you say to people the way that Paul Paul did, follow me as I follow Christ? Can you say to people the way Timothy said, follow me as I follow Paul, whose ways are in Christ? Can you say to people at all, would you even say to people, follow me? What path are you on? Listen, I want you to just bow your heads for a moment. I want you to consider the things that we've heard this morning. And and let me me give you just a couple of things to ponder. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I do this because I want you to consider your own walk with Christ. Listen, if you're sitting here this morning, you're going, man, I'm so glad so-and-so's here. I want you to stop that. And I want you to think about your own path I want you to think about your own walk and the things that God is doing in your life. And here's a question for you. Do you even know what path that you're on? Do you know what path that you're on? Can you clearly see it? What path have you chosen? Is it the path of the world and Satan or the path of righteousness? There's only two. There's only two paths. And you're going to have to choose whatever path that you want have you been resurrected from the dead has there been something that that happened where God stepped into your life and you can say on such and such day as I can on June 4th 1976 about 1030 in the morning that Jesus stepped into my way and I did not go around I came into him I just went head first right into him have you been born again and you might say pastor you don't have any idea how dry these bones are you don't have any idea how long I've been walking this path this is a desert place there doesn't seem to be any hope here for me this path that I've been, that I've been walking I've been walking so long I, I, I don't see any way out let me tell you something even in the midst of your dryness God can take those bones those old wretched bones and he can put new flesh on it he can breathe new life into you he can give you purpose again he can set your feet on the rock no matter how far you've strayed so where are you leading others are you leading them to the father are you leading them in their own way